Now, how many people are excited about that call? When, when somebody calls you, and don't they have the best timing, right? It's, it, they know what, right when to call when you're sitting down at dinner time or where you're putting the kids in bed, that kind of thing. Uh, anybody ever been a telemarketer? Nope, me neither. I, I don't think that's something I could stand. But you know what? Apparently, that job is important because people pay people to call people up during dinner and try to sell them something or try to convince them that they need something. So apparently, it's important. I, you know what? Probably the best way to get rid of a telemarketer, the polite way, because you could just go click or you could just hang up. The best way would be to start telling them about Jesus. I'm sure they would put you on the do not call these people back list. You wouldn't even have to take care of it. Um, but you know, to combat telemarketing, somebody came up with something really clever and really important, and it's called caller ID. Right? Anybody have that? Anybody love that? You see, you, you can tell that this is not a. Is that, you can tell that this is not. Um, this is not somebody that I want to talk to. This is not somebody that I'm going to waste my time with. There you go. Thank you, Scott. Okay, so everybody close your eyes. We're on the wrong one. So anyway, uh, when you, you get that, you get caller ID, you can tell I don't recognize this number. My cell phone doesn't have caller ID except for if I already have you programmed into my phone. It says Steve Losing. I'm like, okay, I'll answer it. And pretty much any phone call I get anywhere, I will answer because I'm a pastor. And it, there may be some reason why it's important for me to answer. So that's one of the drawbacks of being a pastor because you just have to answer the phone all the time. The church does not have caller ID, but our, our, the parsonage does. And so that's really nice. And sometimes, if I know it's a telemarketer because of something that's on there, I can avoid it. That, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's dealing with a call. You, you, you can avoid this call if you want to. You can accept this call if you want to. And you can listen for it as long as you want to listen while they're trying to explain to you what their spiel is, whatever it is that they want you to know. This is a call to discipleship. Please don't look at this as a telemarketer call. This doesn't apply to me. I'm not interested. I'm only going to listen part-time and then I'm going to hang up. This is a call to discipleship that applies to everybody. Whether you're the guy, the, the guy on the ranch that's out feeding cows every day, whether you're, you're in the nursing home, whether you're stuck at home with a bunch of little kids and you feel like I can't go anywhere, or whether you're out in the real world with people, this call to discipleship is something that is for everybody. So please don't don't hang up at any point. I know it's going to be tempting because the call to discipleship is not something that's easy to handle. Most people just, they don't even want to even know what's involved. They, they would just rather say, I don't want this. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62, and we're going to read about this, this call to discipleship. It says, as they were walking along, which is Jesus and his disciples, um, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, and you, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse 61, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my, my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I want to pray one more time and ask God's blessing on this. God, I do thank you for your word. 
God, you've given us a very difficult challenge today. Maybe it's not difficult for everybody. I know people who are disciples and they excel at it, but I think for, for most people, it's, it's, a, it's a hard calling because there's so many other distractions and other things in life that we want to that draw our attention and things we want to do. I just pray that, God, you'd help us to be the best disciples that you've made us to be, wherever we're at. If we're at school, if we're at work, if we're out on the basketball court, God, that we would be the disciples that you want us to be. God, I just pray that you would just bless this, this message, that we'd hear from you in a special way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the call to be a disciple. Remember, not telling a marketer, not hang up because I don't like what I'm hearing or because I don't think this applies to me. This applies to each one of us. The call to be a disciple. So the first thing, if you're, called to cho- if you're gonna answer the call, you're gonna be called to choose God over my earthly securities. Verse 57 to 58. I'm making it easy this week because it's PowerPoint and it's such a little section that I'm just going to put every verse up here. So if you're like, I'm not a Bible flipper, I'm not going to do that kind of thing, you're going to be able to read it up here. Okay, so as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. Sounds like a pretty special thing. Man, I mean, this guy's really doing a good job. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. And Jesus has a response. He says, foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now back then, teachers of the law would be accustomed to traveling around and having people follow them. Maybe people who wanted to discuss what he was discussing, they wanted to hear more, or they they wanted to argue about it, or there's just some kind of prestige in following this teacher of the law. And the teacher says, hey, I'm willing to do the same thing. People follow me to hear what I say, I'm going to follow you to hear what you say. But these people, this man has a different uh, idea in mind than what Jesus has. Because this man, I think, is thinking of like a short-term trip. We're going to go to this town for a day or two. We're going to go here for an afternoon. But guess what? We always have home to come back to. And Jesus is saying, look, guy, if you're thinking this is going to be a cush job, if you think that you're going to be able to go and come back at your own leisure, uh, you got another thing coming. He says, Foxes have dens. Maybe they had foxes around there, and they knew exactly what a den looked like. Birds of the air have nests. You know what? There's, there's birds around here that has nests, but he says there's no place for the Son of Man to lay his head. There's no place that he calls home. He doesn't go here and then come back here and then say, okay, I'm, I'm home for the night, and now I, I'm inside my walls away from everybody. He doesn't have the security of this is my bed, and this is my TV, and this is... The walls is protecting myself from the whole rest of the world. He, he doesn't have that security. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it's, it's going to cost you probably the same thing. You're going to have to choose God over your own earthly securities. I have a list here of, and it's probably not every possible security that you could come up with, but it's, and some of them are kind of similar. I'm sorry if that is annoying to anybody. But the first one is the first earthly security I might have to give up is my home, right? If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I might have to go someplace else besides here where I live. Someplace, you know, because my, my home is a secure place. I go home at night, you know, some people can unplug the, the phone jack and, and I can turn on the TV and I know where my comfortable bed is and I know where my favorite books are and I got the TV and I can shut myself off from the whole rest of the world. And it's like my safe zone. You know, even if you have a bad day at work or a bad day at school, what do you always know? At least I'm going to go home, I'm going to put my head on the pillow, 
and I can forget about this all. It doesn't matter what happened. I know at least at the end of the day I got that comfort spot. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you may not get that. You know, there's missionaries who go to different countries, and they, go, they, they live in a hut. And it's like, well, that's walls, right? But that's not comfortable. That's not protecting from the outside world. You know, so that's, that's one thing that you might have to give up. Another thing you might have to give up is your employment. Or you might even say your dream. Something that you have planned for your life that you want to do. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you might have to say, plans might change partway through. I'm going through with this job for the last 20 years, and all of a sudden I've got to take this big left turn because God wants me somewhere else. What do you get with employment? You get security, right? How many people get a unless you're a rancher, pretty much everybody probably gets a consistent paycheck, right? I have security in knowing that every two weeks or the end of the month, I'm going to get money that I can stick into my bank account, and I can rely on that. They're not going to get rid of me. I always have a place to go every Monday morning, right? There is security in that, right? Maybe. I, I, I think so. Uh, but if you follow Jesus as his disciple, you might have to give that up. I'm making a really great case here. To, I'm a telemarketer, right? And everybody's ready to go, I don't want this. <clears throat> but bear with me. Uh, your 401k. You know, there's, there's lots of missionaries out there. And not, I'm not even talking about only dis- missionaries are disciples. Because everybody's called being a disciple. But uh, that's just the easiest one to bring up. How many missionaries have a 401k? You know, a lot of those people, uh, like with the next one, which is finances, they get enough to get by for that day. You know, they're relying on people to support them. You know, if I went to a job and I never got paid, or I got paid less than what I was supposed to do, except for here because I really like it here, most people are going to say, I'm leaving. You know what? You're not going to pay me when you're supposed to pay me. I'm going to leave. But a missionary usually just says, I'm going to stay because God has called me to, to do that. And your finances might be affected because you're a disciple. Maybe because God says, you know what? That extra money you wanted to stick in your 401k, I don't want you to put it there anymore, Josh. I want you to stick it in the the, the pregnancy place every month because I was looking at that little flyer I think it was and there's a place to donate every single month to, to sponsor a day you might say that extra money that you got I want you to stick it somewhere else I don't want you to stick it there and all of a sudden my finances are not my own they're not what I wanted to do with them I can't save them and spend them however I want because God says I want you to put it somewhere else my health you know some people get are really secure and their health, and they try to do whatever it is that, to, to be healthy. I'm going to exercise, I'm going to eat right. But you know, uh, those who live a godly life are going to be persecuted. And persecution isn't just, it can affect you in a, in a tremendous amount of ways. You think of like just stress. People hate me, or people are mad at me. It causes stress. It affects my health. Uh, when, when people are out serving the Lord in other countries, even Christians on a daily basis in places are getting tortured, or they're getting beat, or they're getting picked on. And there's all sorts of physical things that, all, that are happening to me that I'm like, I don't want that. I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm giving up my health. You know, if you're, if you're walking the way the world walks, you know, I, I mean, you're, you're a good person and you, you go to work, you pay your bills and you go home and you eat healthy, you're pretty healthy, right? You're pretty safe and sound. No one's going to pick on you. But if you're a disciple of Jesus, all of that can change in a really quick way. But you got to choose I mean, if you're going to choose to follow Jesus as his disciple, it might affect your earthly securities. Anybody ready to click? Anybody already click? Like, that's nice. I can't imagine hearing anything good out of this. 
please keep, keep, I'm not the, the telemarketer, I'm just the messenger, just keep, just keep listening. This gets, this gets harder though, it says, uh, you're called to choose God over your family. He said to another man, so the first guy said, hey Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus looked at the next guy and says, hey buddy, why don't you follow me? And this guy says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, this, this picture is a, a real tombstone. It's a picture of my wife's grandpa. And we, we had moved him next door uh, like a year and a half before he died. And so that was a couple years ago. And it was, he was really the first person that I lost that I was like, my heart killed me, you know, because he was the first person that I really loved. And the, it would have been really tough. He had ALS. And so he was, he was dying. And he, he just, if, you, if you've ever been around anybody with that, it's a very difficult disease, and I, would, I went there every day after work, and I'd say, hey, this is how the drilling was. And I'd sit on the bed with them, and I'd drink a Pepsi, and I'd, we'd watch Fox News, and I was always trying to change it to the baseball. But it's a really close relationship. And so what I'm trying to say is if God would have said, Josh, I want you to leave now. I want you to go be a pastor here. I want you to go do something else. I understand that this is tough, because during that time, we were, we were looking at a possible place to go, it would be very, very difficult to leave somebody that you love, especially at a time like this. And Jesus says, Jesus has a response for this, guys. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. How many people think that sounds kind of rude, right? I don't want to hear that from Jesus or somebody else. It's like, no, wait a second. You don't understand who I love and what I'm going through. How could you tell me, let's, let, let the dead bury their own dead? Well, if we, if we stop and think about, this is Jesus here. He, first of all, he's not saying, let a dead person bury a dead person, because obviously that's not going to happen. He isn't trying to be rude and say, who cares about your loved one, because that's not my loved one. But he's saying is, you know what? The kingdom of God cannot wait. There, there, are, there are other people who are going to be able to bury this guy, because most likely, this guy's father was still alive. It wasn't, it'd be like, I'm 39 years old, my dad is 59. And we're going to come back to that hopefully in a second. But he's still alive. And he's saying, you know what, let, let someone else take care of that. Let, let somebody who's, who either A, doesn't know the Lord and does not have any interest in him, so they're dead to the Lord, let that person bury your father. Or somebody who says, I don't, uh, I don't know the Lord or I don't, I'm not interested in following the Lord. Let that person stay and waste, take their time in order to bury the dead. But he says, it's not... It's not, this is not something that can wait. Because if I waited, let me, let me just shut up here for a second. I want to know, what is, the, what is the reason why this guy wants to wait? Because there's, there's multiple reasons why he could possibly be wanting to wait before his father passed away. The first is, maybe, you know what, there's the last will and testament. You know, my, my father's going to pass away, and guess what kids usually get from their parents when they pass away? They get an inheritance, Right? And so you might end up with all sorts of money. But guess what? If I'm not there, I didn't stick around for my father or my mother till the end. Guess what my brothers and sisters might do? They might keep all the cash and give me nothing. That's a real big incentive on why I would wait until my father passed away or my father and mother. Or it could just be the simple reason these little smiley faces are supposed to represent your mom and your dad. Okay? And they're both happy and they love you and they appreciate you. You work hard. Back then, let's just say, you worked hard on the farm. Or you worked hard as a carpenter because Jesus' father was a carpenter. You worked hard 
uh, as a, a baker or whatever occupation it was, and your parents are so proud of you, and they're so happy. And what would happen if all of a sudden, after 20 years, you're supposed to take over the farm and you leave? All of a sudden, my mom and my dad are not going to be happy anymore, right? Because they are expecting you to take this over. If I just wait until mom and dad died, they're not going to know, right? And they're not going to care. I told you I'm 39 years old. My parents are both 59. Now, what if I said I'm just going to wait until after my parents die to follow God's will for my life? Well, that could be, that could be like 30 or 40 years from now. Because if my dad lives to be 79, that's, what was that? That's 20 years from now. How old am I going to be in 20 years? 59. I'm telling you, uh, who was the guy here right before us? Pastor Don. I'm not Pastor Don. I don't think when I'm 80 years old I can get on the one floor and play uh, duck, duck, goose with the little kids. I don't think my body's going to be able to do that. But he can. If I wait 20 more years or I wait 30 more years, I'm not going to be able to do those things. And there's nothing saying I'm going to make it that long. My grandma died when she was 59. I, I could easily die at that point too. There's accidents. God could just say, hey, Josh, it's your time to go. I could be uh, wounded or, or come up with some disease that keeps me from doing that and never have the opportunity to choose God because I said, I'm going to wait until later. After this, I'll go do something what God, what God wants me to do. After somebody dies, after somebody won't know about it. All these excuses, if I say I'll wait till after, you may never get there out of your own there's always going to be something else that's going to be more important, something else that's going to take, that can take precedence over doing what God wants you to do. So if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you might have to choose God over your family. There is a cost to your family. You know what? Your parents or your siblings, somebody is going to be mad at you or possibly mad at you if you say, go be a missionary, or I'm going to quit this job to go do something else that God has asked me to do. And that's, that's a difficult thing. I don't like people being mad at me, especially not. But that might, that might be a cost. Miss out on something. You miss out on time. You know, if I'm here for Christmas, guess where I'm not for Christmas? Right? If, I'm, if, if you're in Africa uh, over, the, over somebody's passing, like somebody dies and there's a funeral going on, if you're in Africa, guess where you're not? You're, you're going to miss out. You're going to have to choose. These are really big costs. I'm like, I don't even want to know what's left. Please just, I don't care. You're going to miss out. You may possibly never see people again. I mean, you might get to the, you know, if you're in Africa and somebody dies, you might get here in time for a funeral. Sure, you see their body. You see some pictures and you hear some stories. But obviously, that's not the same thing. You might, it might be a, a great big cost. It hurts you, Right? if you're not with your family, and it hurts them. But God says you can't wait. This, this message that we're supposed to be sharing with people, whatever God's called you to do as being a disciple, as being a learner, as, as a person who hears his word and puts them into practice, you can't wait. It's something that's too important. We've got to start now. People are dying people, left and right every day, right? And if I just say, hey, I'm going to wait till later, I may never get there. That person may never hear that message from my mouth that God wants me to hear. Anybody ready to be a disciple? No way. Uh-uh. Not on your life. I can see it. The third thing, if, if you're going to choose God or to be his disciples, he's going to call you to choose him 
over your own desires. He's going to choose you over his own, own desires. I forget that I put this up here. Still another one said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family, which sounds like a legitimate thing. Hey, I'm going to follow you for X number of years or forever. Let me go say goodbye to my family, which we already looked at. We might have to say, choose God over a family. So we're going to look at something a little differently. So, okay, so you said goodbye with this pretty pink card and you kept going. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, a couple different thoughts come to mind. First, you got this guy who's probably more like this. You got your horse or your donkey or whatever, and you got a plow, and you're trying to get a straight furrow because you want to plant your, your garden or your crops in a straight line. And so you got to pick a point, and you, you got to just go. Well, all of a sudden, this guy starts going like this. Guess where his hands go? They go like this, right? The horse gets confused, and if, if he's got, like, the, the bridle and it's got the straps, you know, you start pulling on one side, the horse is going to start going that way as well, right? That's kind of how a horse works, how you, how you control them. So this, this line that was supposed to be straight is now going like this. Or think about in terms of driving a car, because I know we have kids who drive cars. All adults probably have known this, but kids are going to be learning how to drive cars. My dad taught me this really well. Uh, he says you, you pick a point out in the center of the road, and you look at it, and you drive, and you follow this straight line. If you start looking out this way, guess where your hands want to go? They want to go like this. And my dad would say, hey, look. And so I did, and then he'd slug me for it. <laughs> like, you've got to understand, you've got to keep your focus on the right place. Basketball. Went to a basketball game on, and that's where I got this idea, on, on Friday night. And there's people playing basketball. And if, if you've got a team, a person who's, who's they're, they're playing as a team, they're really focused, you want them on your team. Even if you don't win, you just want somebody who's focused. But if you have somebody who's going like this, while they're dribbling the ball, is that the kind of person you want on your team? No, that's useless. It's like the guy who's not fit for the kingdom of God. You're not fit to be playing basketball. You're too interested in that girl, or you're too interested in the popcorn, or whatever it is. You're not fit for the kingdom. You're not fit to be, you're not ready to be out there, right? You're not ready to be doing the job. And then one more, because I just had it, was uh, you ever go on a date? Oh, I'm so in love with somebody. It could be your spouse, hopefully, right? Um, but I, I, think of, I think of teens, and you're, you're, of course it could be married people, but you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're having this conversation. It's supposed to be you and me. It's supposed to just be engaged. I'm supposed to be focused. And all of a sudden, guess what I notice behind the person? There's the baseball game, or there's the football game, or there's the news, and all of a sudden they're going like this. Or, you know, and it's like it could be some, a pair of legs walking by, and all of a sudden I'm like, Dude, you're not qualified to be my boyfriend anymore. Look what you're, you're not focused, right? The same thing goes with God. When we're, when we're trying to be his disciples, we have to keep our focus. We've got to say, okay, this is what God's asked me to do. There's always going to be distractions out there. That TV is always going to be there on that date. My wife has taught me that you don't stare at that TV, right? There's always going to be something out there. So you're going to have to choose God over what those things are. I made a list of some possible distractions. And these, by the way, are not bad things. Everything I put up here, I, I enjoy them too. But the thing is, this guy was plowing. He's already out there busy doing something for the Lord, and then all of a sudden something else looks better. All of a sudden, all of a sudden something's more interesting. And all of a sudden his focus is off. He's saying, I wish I could have done this. I wish I was doing that instead of keeping my focus. And that's something you've got to choose to do. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to keep, make yourself keep your focus. 
Sports. Anybody like sports? I do. I mean, I was even looking like badminton's a sport, according to this picture. That's, that's a fun game. That, there's nothing wrong with sports, but those things can be a distraction, playing those things. Like, I, I committed to doing this, and then all of a sudden I had this opportunity, and so I'm going to do that instead. I'm just, instead of like the guy with the plow who's trying to do both, this guy just says, hey, I'm just going to drop the plow. Hey, I'm out of here. Here, let's go play, right? That could be a distraction. A side job. You know, when I, when I was thinking about this, you know, uh, when I think of, like, church situations, you know, there's, this is a really unique situation. You have ranchers who, who go and they have to feed their cows. You know, and they, they get up and they, I, they, they can't get to church on time or, or most of the time or the calves are calving or all that kind of thing. I'm like, okay. And then you have, you have Todd who goes every other week. Okay. And then you have people like TC who is supposed to be here today and gets called out. Okay. I mean, there's a certain point where you have your job, and it's like, okay, but when, you, when it comes to, like, I have this opportunity to do what God's asked me to do, or I have this opportunity to choose to do something else, the disciple says, I'm going to be focused on what God's asked me to do. My friends. Anybody have friends? I like hanging out with my friends. I like spending the night at my friend's house. That could be a distraction. All of a sudden, I was planning to do this for the Lord. I was planning on going to work at this Awana or this, I was, uh, this ministry that was going to deliver cookies for somebody. And then all of a sudden, my friend said, hey, Josh, why don't we go do this? I'm like, oh, I wish I was doing that because who wants to do this now compared to that? But God gave me a job to do. I have to be a determined disciple to say, you know what, when I'm done. Because I think about this guy who's plowing the field. How many people plow 24-7? Nobody, right? This guy, I think you could do the job. I signed up for this uh, to teach the Sunday school class. I signed up to help in Awana. I signed up for this ministry, and I'm just going to do it for this season, right? And then when it's done, or when the night's over, I'll, I'll do a different night. But they can be a distraction. School things can be a distraction. Like I said, none of these things are bad. I, I, my kids go to school, right? Like, go away for seven hours of the day. Just kidding. I love you both. Our hobbies, right? All these things can be a distraction. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you might have to choose God over those distractions. Those things that are always going to come up new every day. There's always something new that I can want to do. Anybody still listening? Anybody want to be a disciple? No, like I, I ripped the cold the cord out of the wall and I hucked the phone because I don't want anything to do with that. I got to thinking, okay, so why in the world... Let me, let me ask this. Why in the world would anybody want to be a disciple, right? It's going to cost me that much. Why would I want to do that? What's, what's the perks? Come on, Josh. Give me some reason, a ray of hope, that I would even be willing to choose God or be a disciple over what I want to do. What could there possibly be? Well, the first one, and these are all things that you're going to know. I'm not going to wow you or tell you something you didn't know. Uh, true disciples are a part of God's family. Back in Luke chapter 8, uh, he, was, he had all the, his, his mother and his brothers trying to get to him. And Jesus said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear my word and put them into practice. It's a special thing to be part of God's family. Either you're in or you're out. There's no in between. So that's one reason. And I don't know if these are enough to convince anybody of anything, but this is just the way it is. True disciples have eternal life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. 
If you're truly a disciple of his, it's guaranteed. You got the Holy Spirit as a seal inside of you saying that you are a disciple for life and, or you're, that you are going to heaven and there's nothing that's going to stop you that, stop that. True disciples are going to be rewarded. It's, even, it's in the Old Testament. Leslie showed me Jeremiah last night about the same kind of things in the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you're a follower of him, if you're putting, taking God's word and you're putting him into practice, you're going to be rewarded. I'll, I'll probably say this until you're sick of hearing it. As many times as it comes up, is there's not a catalog where God says, here, Josh, if you will, if you will commit to working at one every night for the whole year, this is what you're going to get. If you're going to give up your finances to do this, this is what you're going to get. If you will leave your family and your, your parents and go live here, this is what you're going to get. There's no catalog of anything. I, I don't even know what it looks like. It, you know, I, I hate thinking that, wow, it's a little jewel I'm going to stick on a crown because I'm not a jewelry person. I have, I have my wedding ring, but I also have this ring because Leslie's grandpa gave it to me. Otherwise, it's like I, I just have never had a jewelry. But the thing is, it's going to be worth it. Whatever you have here on earth is not going to last. It is not going with us. So between the two, it's better to be a disciple and you will be rewarded for the things you do in the body. A true disciple can have hope in good times as well as bad times. You know, I, was, I told Ida I was going to use her as an example, you know, with this situation with Tim. It's a very scary situation. It's traumatic. But Ida, guess what she has? We've, we've talked a few times on the phone and she says I, she has hope. She has confidence. Does that mean Tim's going to be better? No. Does that mean everything's going to work out? No, but she has hope that God's going to do what's best. And if God wants to heal him, guess what's going to happen? God's going to heal him. People without Jesus, guess what they have? They don't really have hope. They, have, they can have some kind of artificial hope that the doctors are going to have the right medicine or the right cure, that they're able to do something to help, but they don't have the real hope. That if, if, if their loved one dies, they don't have hope that they're going to see that person again because they don't, they don't believe in God. They don't have a relationship with him. So why would they think they would ever see that person again? True disciples can have hope. Now, that might, be enough, that might not be enough to convince anybody of anything. They might say, yep, those, I'm still hanging up. I still don't care about whatever it is that's being shared. Uh, but in Matthew... 28 verses, oops, wrong way. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 talks about Jesus saying, go and make disciples. I want you guys to go and help other people to be a follower, to be a learner, to hear my words and put them into practice. And if Jesus is giving the command for us to go and make disciples, guess what he's asking of us? He's asking us to be a disciple. And I know not everything in the Bible is fun, not everything we want to do, but this is one thing that God has asked us to do was to go and make the disciples, but that means we also need to be one. It still comes down to choice. I know it's easy to sit in a church because I've done it. I mean, I've done it lots and lots of times where I, I just heard a message, and then I went out there and it's like, okay, well, that's nice. You know, I'm going back to my Seahawks. Like I said before, I just run home because I'm, I'm not, because I hung up a long time ago, because I didn't hear this is really from God. I really wasn't willing to put it into practice. So you always have two choices. You're, you will always serve one person. And, it, and you might say it's me, but that's, you're still, that's not exactly right. You're either going to serve the devil or you're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Every decision that we make, it's either I'm serving, if I'm serving my flesh and what I want to do, then I'm, I'm serving the devil. Now, when I, when I think of like basketball, 
You know, I'm not going to say if you go play basketball, you're serving the devil. Okay? Because that's not how it works. If God has said, hey, Caleb, Sean, I want you guys out on the basketball court. I want you to honor me, and I want you to be a testimony to me while you're out there and to your teammates, and you go do that, guess what? You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you say, you know what? I'm choosing all these other things instead of something for the Lord. Guess who I'm serving? I'm serving myself. I'm really serving what the devil wants me to do. And that's, that's really not a fun thought to even think about. But I just want to encourage each one of us, including myself, to be a real disciple of Jesus. To A, put my faith in him and trust him as my Savior. And B, say, okay, God, uh, I didn't hang up. I'm listening. This is what you want me to do. I know it's going to cost me. I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult for me. God, I know in the middle of doing this, something else is going to come along that sounds better. Or something else is going to try to sway my opinion one way or another. But don't let it happen. Don't be the guy in the field or the, the guy in the date that all of a sudden is looking at the TV or the driver who drives off the road because they're looking at something else. Be the person who says, okay, I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus. I'm going to keep my focus on, on doing what he's asked me to do. Be encouraged to be a disciple because you've got two choices. I'm a disciple or I'm not a disciple. That's all there is. Be a disciple of Jesus. Hear God's word and put it into practice, and God will bless you. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. God, I know not all of it's easy to hear. I don't feel like this was easy to say. It's not even easy for me to hear, God, because I know that there's things I'd rather do sometimes than do what you want me to do. And so I know that's probably the case for people in here. God, I, you are the greatest example of love uh, by coming to this earth. You sacrificed, you gave up things of, of heaven, of, of the, the relationship you, you could have, the specialness of being in heaven with God and I just pray that, God, you'd help us to realize that this life is temporary, that this life is short, that we'd be willing to choose you over anything else, and that when we've committed to serving you, whatever it is, whether it's something short-term or something long-term, that we would choose to do that. We wouldn't let these other things become more interesting or sways from doing those things. God, for anybody in here who wants uh, to do that better, I just pray that you'd bless them for that. God, I know I need help with that, and so I ask for your help with that as well. I pray for your help in Jesus' name.